0: CEO's job to set strategy and all that kind of stuff and then to mobilize resources to achieve that. Okay, that's fine. You can get that in any textbook. But uh, what many CEOs don't realize is what you just talked about, is you have to, you have to reach into the tentacles of the organization and make sure that all of that interconnects somehow. So otherwise it's just, you know, it's just fluff and CEO talk. Uh, and you have to, like I said, you have to line everything up in the organization to achieve that.
2: Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the IMCEO podcast. I have a very special guest on the show today, I have Steve Blue of Miller Ingenuity. Steve, it's great to have you on the show.
0: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation.
2: Yes, absolutely. The pleasure is all ours. You're doing so many phenomenal things. So before we jumped into having a, a great conversation, I want to read a little bit more about Steve so you can hear about some of those awesome things. And with oh, more than 40 years of management. Executive, consulting, and speaking experience worldwide, Miller Ingenuity President and CEO Steve is a leading mid-market CEO and a globally recognized business growth authority who has transformed companies into industry giants and enthralled audiences with his dynamic keynotes. He is the author of five highly acclaimed books, including Metamorphosis, From Rust Belt to High Tech in a 21st Century World. Steve, again, excited to have you on the show. Are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? I sure am. Let's get it started then. So, to kind of kick everything off, I wanted to rewind the clock a little bit, hear a little bit more on how you got started, what I call your CEO story.
0: Well, you know, I started off uh, as a blue collar kid. My mother was a uh, waitress and my father was a mechanic. And I had to uh, get my education the long and the hard way because they couldn't afford to put me through college. And uh, so I ended up not getting my bachelor's degree until I was 40 years old. And uh, my MBA, I didn't get that until I was 52. Of course, during all that time, I was uh, working in industrial management for mostly big, big, big corporations. And I kind of worked my way up the ladder over the years from uh, a factory supervisor up to middle management, up to senior management, and eventually up up to CEO. And uh, during all that time, I was thinking about writing books about my ideas and so I started writing books about kind of what I've done. I remember, Russ, my wife uh, saw me writing my first book, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I- I'm writing a book. She goes, you don't know anything about writing a book. What are you going to write about? And so, uh, And then you know, the first book was not that great. It was self-published. And then I got picked up by a, a big publisher along the way. And, and then I decided to start uh, actually doing keynote speeches about leadership and about what I'd done. And I started off the usual way, you know, Kiwanis clubs where, you know, you, you, anybody that they can get to talk, they'll get them to talk. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about, right? And then I started working my way up. As a matter of fact, I just got a, an XP award out in L.A. a couple of weeks ago for a speech I made at Carnegie Hall in uh, July. Okay. And it was actually my second XP award. Uh, I got the first one for a speech at a keynote address I made at the United Nations a couple of years ago. And so what I've done, what I've done is I've, I've sort of taken my examples. I'm a, I'm a CEO that's sort of been there and done that. And so when I when I tell you how to quadruple profit in your company, I've done it. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a university professor, uh, and I'm not an academic. I've actually done these things, and I found over the years that uh, my fellow CEOs, I never met a CEO that if you said, "Can I show you how to quadruple your profit?" would say, "No, I'm not interested."
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and I know most CEOs and you know people that are listening to this understand that success leaves clues. So getting that opportunity to kind of be around and definitely, of course, hear from
0: the success that you've been able to have is something that you know they they would love to take a bite out of. Yep, yep. I, I found a very receptive audience. One of the things I talk about a lot in all of my books, and uh, and it's a thread that's come uh, in every success I've had uh, is the importance of culture. And it used to be, and, and I'm sure you know this too. Used to be, you talked to CEO about culture and they'd give you a, a deer in the headlights look. What is that? You know, that doesn't now these days, uh, you know, they're beginning to understand the importance of culture and it kind of uh, weaves its way through everything.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, everything that's happened, you know, since the pandemic has brought it even further to light and being able to try to attract, attract clients, keep, um, you know, talent, all those things, you know, play such a big part in the culture that you have.
0: You know, that uh, that raises a, a point I'll just make quickly. The so-called uh, quiet quitting phenomenon mm. that you hear about, you know, uh, people have been quietly quitting for over 20 years. Uh, and there's plenty of Harvard and other uh, university studies that bear this out. And But it never got a lot of media attention until somebody put a name on it. Right. <laughs> and the quiet <laughs> quitting, the, the way to avoid uh, quiet quitting is by respecting your employees. And not only respecting the people who work for you, but but making sure that people respect each other in an organization. And that's really the key to, uh, because in all these studies and surveys, people were more interested in respect than they were in pay and in promotions and in benefits. And And you know what? Respect doesn't cost a darn thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So is is that a lot of what you're
2: doing with Miller Ingenuity is is being able to kind of help, you know, you know, bring that awareness to,
0: you know, the the CEOs and and leaders of these organizations? Yeah. And uh, and I use my own company uh, uh, and I've had several companies. I use my own company as an example. Uh, I'll give you one example. We wanted to become more innovative. A number of years ago, quite a few years ago. I mean, you know, we had an R&D department and of course they're they're innovative. That's what they get paid to do. But I wanted the entire workforce to have an engine of innovation. So white, white collar and uh, blue collar. So I hired the uh, former chief creativity officer of the QVC network. Uh, to come in and teach the principles of innovation, starting with the building blocks of, uh, of brainstorming to every single employee. And he rolled shotgun with us coming in and out every other week uh, to make sure we got it, make sure we understood it, and every single employee got it. And then I said, okay, I'm going to give every single employee the time and the freedom to go out and innovate. Uh, and it used to be in the beginning, we'd say, okay, here's a problem we want you to work on, or here's a, 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 an opportunity we want you to work on fast forward 5 or 6 years after that they do it all by themselves now our employees decide what they want to work on when they work on it, want to work on it who they want to work on it with and uh it's amazing the uh the output that you get if you give people the freedom to do that Nice. I I absolutely love
2: to hear that, especially to how um, I think so many times when we can think about whatever, you know, proclamations that might be said about, um, you know, creativity, ingenuity, or we're going to, you know, you know, trust more, whatever it might be. Yep. It seems like as soon as you say it, it's just a check mark. And you, but I love that yeah. you kind of talked about and expounded upon how exactly you took the actions to help support that, that initiative. Sure. And I think that sure. goes a lot towards building that culture, but also building that trust, I imagine, amongst the the people on the team as well. So would you consider that to be what I like to call your secret sauce, which um can be for yourself individually, the organization or combination of both, but is it that ability to be able to kind of, you know, understand and, and see the force for the trees really understand like what organizations, you know, should be doing or maybe should have as like a um, a, a goal, but furthermore, to be able to kind of understand how that manifests itself in each part of the organization. Do you feel like that's part of the secret sauce?
0: Yeah, it really is because, you know, of course, everybody knows, no secret, the CEO's job is to set direction. CEO's right. job is to set strategy and all that kind of stuff. And then to mobilize resources to achieve that. Okay. That's fine. You can get that in any textbook. But uh, what many CEOs don't realize is what you just talked about is you have to you have to reach into the tentacles of the organization and make sure that all of that interconnects somehow. otherwise, it's just, you know, it's just fluff and CEO talk. uh, And you have to, like I said, you have to line everything up in the organization to achieve that, including firing if people aren't along uh, on board with the initiatives. You give them coaching, give them counseling, you give them an opportunity to change all that kind of stuff. That uh, when when I make a proclamation, I, I intend to back it up. And so that's what I mean by you've got to reach in the tentacles of the organization. You can't just sort of let your supervisors do it and your other leaders do it because they may not quite be on board with your initiative. And, you, and you, you need to know whether they are or not. Awesome. 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 So I wanted to switch gears a little bit and ask you for
2: what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, a book, or a habit that you have.
0: But what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? I could give you the names of three people. Will that that work? That'll do it. Tony Robbins. Everybody knows Tony Robbins. Jay Abraham. Some of your younger listeners, in fact, I just, uh, and then Harvey McKay would be the third. Some of your younger uh, viewers might not know him, but uh, Harvey is a seven times New York Times bestselling author, uh, professional speaker, and uh, everybody knows that Tony Robbins does. Jay Abraham, I think they used to call him the $10 million man. I was a, a co-producer in the film about a film about his life and times. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I just saw Jay uh, last week in Phoenix at Harvey McKay's 90th birthday party. He had about 400 of his best friends join him to, to celebrate his 90th. And uh, the three of them have completely different views. I've done the firewalk, I don't know, four or five times. They have completely different views. And if you sort of I've sort of melded them together and and coalesced them. And so I'm sort of a mutt. I'm a, a hybrid of all three of those guys. Nice. I absolutely
2: love that. And my my big belief and I always say, you know, at the quote is success leaves clues. And I yep. think that if you find people and and I think a lot of the big thing, I think I even touched on a little bit um, when I read something last week was that we sometimes think innovation is doing something completely new, but sometimes it's when you are that mud when you are able to coalesce each of these different things, yeah. and you're able to blaze trails because you're able to see kind of like the the best parts or how you can kind of leverage each of yeah. those different aspects and thoughts from the. There's a
0: school of thought that says, uh, and I'm sure you hear this: there's nothing new in the world. There's nothing new in the world, but how you apply it how you use it, how you sort of make it fit with your own circumstances, uh, that I think is the key. Yeah, absolutely. there's such a school of thought of being,
2: you know, diverse, having diverse um experiences and being well read because you can sometimes take something from an entirely different industry and implement it in yours. And then all of a sudden it becomes like an, an innovation. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So what would you consider to be what I like to call a CEO nugget then? This is a little bit more word of wisdom or piece of advice. I like to say it might be something you would tell your favorite client, or if you have to do a time machine, you might tell your
0: younger business self. If you're if if whatever you're doing, you got an initiative, you're launching a company, a new product, whatever, if it doesn't scare the living daylights out of you, it isn't good, it isn't worth doing. And it isn't uh, and you're not thinking big enough. I'll give you a really quick example. I started a trade show many, many, many years ago in Mexico. I won't bore you with the details of why I thought that was a good opportunity uh, in any way. So after a lot of work and a lot of effort, you know, it was the night before the trade show. And there was a and all my customers were coming from the United States. This was down in Monterey, Mexico. There was a huge snowstorm. In the Northeast, and, and I, I was afraid that most of them wouldn't be able to get there. I was on the hook personally, and I didn't have the money for $100,000 in hotel guarantees, right, and in and the exhibit hall guarantees, and, and I'd have been screwed if that didn't work out. I was I'm walking through the exhibit hall that night, and I'm absolutely scared to death, and I did everything right, and this was an event that was beyond my control. As it turned out, the the snowstorms cleared. It was a huge success, but uh, I was scared to death. Uh, And the other thing I'll uh, I'll mention is just because you have one great big success, don't start thinking you're that smart. Because right after that, I started an Internet at the time. This was back in, uh, I don't know, 35 years ago, Internet Broadcast Company. And uh, my uh, inaugural broadcast was uh, to be made from uh, Havana, Cuba. I had to go jump through a lot of hoops. The, you know get the license to go down there i had to hire a film crew out of mexico all kinds of stuff it was an absolute failure i lost a ton of money out of that but the, the my message is because i've been so, so successful in that trade show i'm thinking i can do no wrong well fact is you can do wrong but you can't let that stop you from uh engaging in new and new ideas you just have to take a chance every time Absolutely. So uh, you kind
2: of touched on this as well, too, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping to have different quote
0: unquote CEOs on this show. So Steve, what does being a CEO mean to you? You have to have uh, lots of courage because you have to make courageous decisions and then you have to back them up. and uh, and you shouldn't think that uh, every decision you make will be welcomed in open arms because they won't. Uh, I over the course of my career, I've been threatened. Uh, I, I had to hire a private security detail to protect my family. Uh, I've had to cajole my board at one time or another, uh, and it's CEO is a perilous occupation. It is, and uh, if you want to be one or you want to be successful, you got to strap on your flak jacket and expect to take a lot of incoming, because that's just the way it is. But you just have to sort of barrel your way through it and uh, and and keep going. If you if you get disheartened or discouraged by the first time someone, I, I've gotten hate mail. I've had people, you know, drop stuff in my yard, you name it. I've had it all. One time, some woman called my wife and said I was having an affair with somebody in the company, which I wasn't. I mean, it's just all manner of whenever somebody wants to change something and that CEO's job is to change things, uh, then you're going to get a lot of resistance. So I, you just have to, you know, buck up for that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Steve, truly appreciate you
2: for uh, taking some time out with us today. What I wanted to do now is pass you the mic just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you, find out about all the awesome
0: things you and team are working on. Well, just keep at it. And uh, you know how they say uh, uh, people who can't do teach. Well, actually, uh, writing my books uh, has sharpened my thinking. I think the easiest way is my personal website, which links to the company. If you try to spell my company name, it's not that easy. My personal website is stephenlblue.com awesome 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 we'll definitely have those links and information in the show
2: notes as well too so that everybody can follow up with you um i I think when you were saying the quote about being able to write the book and how valuable it's been for you to kind of get that clarity you know sometimes people say you know you can't afford to do it but a lot of times the reality is you can't afford not to and i think that probably the spaciousness the clarity just getting able to kind of think through things and be able to kind of synthesize that is a good exercise eminent of itself just for any leader any person um that's going through life so uh Truly appreciate that last part. And of course, all the awesome things
0: that you're doing. And I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Well, thank you. It's a joy to talk to you. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Check out the latest and greatest apps, books, and habits to level up your business at CEOHacks.co This has been the I Am CEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.